Hello, I'm Emma Jane Purcell and welcome back to Fail Harder, the podcast where I chat to people at the top of their game about failure, from their first memory of failure to how they cope with it now. So before I introduce this week's guest, I'd just like to take a moment to tell you about the UX Design Institute who sponsors this podcast. Good UX design or user experience design is barely noticeable. So if you use a website or an app without thinking about it, that basically means that it has been properly designed. And the good news is that UX designers are in huge demand right now. So it's so worth looking into the UX Design Institute who offer university credit rated courses in UX and all of their courses are completely online. So for more information, just visit Institute forward slash fail. Joining me on the podcast today, I have the absolutely hilarious Jarlith Regan. I am streaking away. I can feel there's no one near me. And it's a long enough 100 metres. <laughs> it starts to cross my mind. I'm going to look like I took this too seriously. I'm going to look like I'm the... You're, you're that guy. Yeah. So, <laughs> so how can I turn this into comedy? How can I make this look like I'm not, I'm not taking it that seriously? Do I ease up? Do I ease up to a walk? Or do I do a funny run? I elect to pivot 180 degrees and uh, you know look back at them and backpedal across the line that's how far ahead I am at this point so backpedal across the line with my arms out like uh, Christ the Redeemer in Brazil (laughs) except in that moment I see halfway up the track all the other dads who'd all elected to run hand in hand with their children. As a stand-up comedian, Jarlath has played sold-out venues across Ireland, the UK and the rest of the world. In 2013, Jarlath created the insanely successful Irish Man Abroad podcast series, interviewing people like Hosier, Brian O'Driscoll, Sharon Horgan, and the list just goes on. And before we begin, I'd just like to say that you can actually catch Jarlath's Irish Man Abroad monthly online comedy club this July 14th and it will fill the huge comedy gig hole in all our lives. Just visit jigster.com for more details. But today, Jarlath is not here to talk about success. He's here to talk about failure. Hi, Jarlath. Hello. How are you, Emma? I am great. How are you getting on? I'm good. 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 Not too bad. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. And you're very welcome to Fail Harder. The OG podcaster is here. Jarlath Regan, an Irishman abroad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a long time ago. Like It's 2013. Wow. It started. It's a while ago. It does. uh, Like I do feel like a different person to the person that started that show. Yeah. Why did you start yeah, an Irishman yeah. abroad out of a matter as a matter of interest? <laughs> I was mad about podcasts for years and years and years. Uh, like I probably really got in in early, early with Gervais and that one with Carl Pilkington, and mm. I just thought, oh, this is the way to consume audio because the radio. Like, let's face it, you just have so many ads to sustain any length of conversation without going, we'll be back after the break. 
And, <laughs> you know, I, I got into that really early doors. And then during my most difficult times, <laughs> I listened to podcasts and I never thought that I'd have one. And then I moved to England and I was all by myself listening to them all the time. And I just thought, why not? I mean, you've moved to London and moved back and you know tricky and there, do, there wasn't yeah. a load of at the time there wasn't a load of people telling you how do we do this like what there was no similar podcast about what it's like to move away mm. and i i thought why, why, why don't i do that <laughs> yeah. that's literally it that was all the thinking was mm. i didn't have plans for hundreds and hundreds of episodes I just had a plan to do one and see where it went look at you now <laughs> actually a friend of mine Tom Moran who actually said to say hello and Tom yeah. say hello to Tom Personally, shout out Tom shout out Tom um, Tom said something to me a few years ago about podcasts because he was kind of one of my first friends as well who started listening to them he got me onto yours and he was just like podcasts are great because they're an hour of someone's best advice in your ear mm. I was like that's it's so true because people are kind of given their best nuggets within the hour like you learn so much you do you do and also there's nowhere to hide right no. you can get you can get advice from people like in tidbits but when you're there for an hour you get to actually tease out but well, why do you think that mm. <laughs> why how did you arrive at that <laughs> you know and i love that i I've, yeah. I've i've said to tom a few times the podcast are the new points Yes. Like the old days, you used to have to give people a feed of pints before they'd open up. Now you've put down two mics and say, this is going up online on Sunday and off they go. There you go. Uh, before we get, begin, let me just uh, explain the format of the podcast to you. Um, so I have 20 questions in front of me. They're numbered at random. Most are straightforward. However, some are a little unconventional. And in the spirit of failure and trying to assert control over what life might throw at you, you can pick the numbers. Okay, let's go 11. Start things off. Number 11. Oh, this is a, a fun question to start with. Okay, what color is the E in the standard logo for Google? <laughs> <laughs> Green. No. Oh, Wouldn't you again. think you'd know? No, I failed. <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a great start. <laughs> it's red. Oh, well, this is, this is great information to have, Emma. I'm happy yeah. I did the podcast <laughs> just so that I know that now. <laughs> You've learned so much already. <laughs> it's funny. So where, how like, are you coming up with these questions? These are fully at random. So I, many ways. So actually, I have a cousin if he's listening, Bill McCormack, he's really into quizzes. And uh, like over, over lockdown at Christmas, he'd always do like the quizzes. So he kind of sends me on the quizzes he's done and I like steal loads from them. <laughs> and then other quizzes I've been on or sometimes I just like look things up. Um, so yeah, that's generally kind of where I get my... I, I used to do a, a comedy quiz called Stand Up and Answers where comedians did five or ten minutes of stand-up and then they asked a round of questions mm. and the audience had to you know it was a table quiz it was so much fun yeah it was during a time when you know people had so little money in ireland at that particular time it really felt like geldof in the 80s because i was like putting on i remember one of the lineups was a free cocktail on arrival 
<laughs> a free quiz. The Rubber Bandits. <laughs> Myself. Uh, yes. uh, P- Pat McDonald. Foil Arms and Hog. <laughs> we couldn't get people to go to the shows. It didn't matter what we put on. But we, you know, there was like 100 people there, which was a huge success at the time. Yeah. But like, I was always for the marriage of comedy and quizzes because quizzes, the biggest problem is people taking them too seriously. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the lockdown quiz has to have an element of piss taking. Yeah. Yeah. God, I've taken part in a couple where it's like straight faced people trying to win the oh, quiz. Oh, the rows, like the rows. Oh, just be at home with, with losing and failure. I mean, your yeah. podcast is perfect for it. I'm trying <laughs> to teach my son to fail at the moment and teach him that like, there's way more comedy in failure than there is in success. And I mm. said, I was saying to him, that like, when you lose at Mario Kart, you're allowed to make jokes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you win, you have to shut up or you're a gloating yeah. uh, bad winner. But in some ways, losing allows <laughs> you to take the piss. It's nearly, from a humor perspective, the better position to be in because you get to punch up rather than yeah. punch down. Actually, was it on Tom's podcast you were talk, talking about um, how we should just kind of, with kids, we should just kind of tell them, realistically, you're not going to be a pro basketball no, player. Like, <laughs> yeah, how did you find that one? That was a long time ago. I did yeah. Tom's uh, as part of the Dublin Podcast Festival. Mm. And yeah, look, I, I think that's really important that the number one thing we should be teaching kids is how to play games so that for the rest of their life, they're great fun to play games with. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that's the life skill. Yeah, there's sure there's pick yourself up, move on, uh, coping with loss, uh, resilience, all of that. That'll all come naturally. But number one, you don't want to be the guy at the five aside <laughs> who thinks he's Roy Keane. <laughs> and there is always one. And he probably nearly had a glimmer of a chance in his mind of going mm. pro. <laughs> in reality, his chance was none. Yes, Zero. it ain't happening, mate. No. <laughs> yeah, well, I think as well, I was thinking about this a lot over lockdown because I started running, you know, just out of like something to do. And I was always allergic to running because I think in school it was like, you ran to win the race and mm. that's the only way I associated running like because I'm not fast um, and I don't think I'll ever be fast but now I'm just like I'm running just to run and I'm actually kind of enjoying it but of I course. think that that put me off for so long was that I just wasn't fast and I would, all, I would never win and that was yeah. kind of I think that probably puts a lot of people off sports yeah. is that childhood There's so yeah. much endorphins released like mm. nobody said to you <laughs> you know, you're going to feel better at the end of this. Yeah. Like just feeling better. She's like, it's nearly meditative. All of that stuff is just about chilling the beans and just blowing off steam more than chilling anything. Beans, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, we move on to the next number. What would you like? 23, please. Which number? 23, please. We don't have a 23. <laughs> is it only out of 20? <laughs> we have one to 20. All right, eleven and twenty-three are my two favorite numbers. I always, I always use those numbers anytime anybody asks me. That's the only reason I said twenty-three. So I guess twenty is the closest I'm going to get to twenty. Number twenty. Okay. 
Have you any past failure that you look back on now and say, thank fuck that didn't work out? Oh, millions. Millions? Millions. <laughs> like, look, you've got to look at all of them that way in many ways, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I have tons of them. Well, first of all, I should say I was preparing for the question, uh, the lockdown failure. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I hope I get that question later because I asked my wife, because I said, you're better at answering this question than me. <laughs> but uh, I, I look back on, I definitely have, and I think in this job, a stand-up comedian has to really be good at extracting wins from losses. Mm. Uh, because if the losses and the bad gigs or the, failed jokes or the humiliations really stay with you and don't make you think and now I'm stronger for that then you're you're dead in the water it's all over because there's so and there's so much death (laughs) (laughs) how do you do it like how do you do stand-up comedy well when people would say that to me before I go, uh, ah, no, it's not that hard. I mean, everybody could do it. People of different string comedians and everybody no. else. So we just write down the stuff that we think is funny. and we present. No, now I'm like, yeah, no, I don't know how we do it. I don't know how I do it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I know for a fact that most people can't do it. And that's why it's uh, paid so well when people mm. are really, really good at it. Um, it's, it's complete. I think it's an addiction on some level. There is an element of just a pure, <laughs> pure addictive nature of think about it, Emma. You've you've obviously been in the situation where you're in a pub and you tell a story and the mm. place cracks, and people are you know holding onto the, their sides or f- falling off their chairs or spitting out their drinks. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> Bliss. I think that is like that is. That's giving me real nostalgic buzz there because the feeling that you've said something that's for, caused other people to lose control of their bodily functions. <laughs> hey, that's, that's like, that's power. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is a, there's an addictive nature of that. And, uh, you know, to the failure is part of it because you, you have to be shit to be good. Mm. And a lot of the time you don't know how shit you were until you get good and you realize, oh, that was dog shit. But you're carried by a delusion. That <laughs> I'm better than I, they all don't know I'm better than this. <laughs> so weird. Like it's such a weird, I'd love to read some psychology on it. I don't know if there's much out there. There's a couple yeah. of books on it. But uh, look, I have too many to name is the mm. answer to your question. But I know that I've been done out of money on one particular occasion, I was I, a mistake I made in not yeah. being more thorough in the mm. business side of this did me out of a massive, life-changing amount of money. Really? And, you know, it's hard. Th- that'd be the hardest one to go, oh, I'm glad that one happened. Because, <laughs> I mean, that was house money. And you were going... Yeah. Oh, that that's a kick, right? Uh, and while I say that I try and try and extract a win from all the losses, 
it's hard. That's the hard one. Mm. That said, hasn't happened since. Good, good. <laughs> hasn't happened since. <laughs> uh, I don't deal with that person anymore, but it hasn't happened since. Yeah, like the, the business side of like working in the art, you know, because uh, I, I hate to say it, but like when you do get something that you really want to happen or whatever, you're so you're really so grateful that like trying to then put on a business head and talk money like something recently enough I was asked to do and I was like yeah 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 and then I realized that the conversation went by and I didn't like ask about like how much like would I realistically be getting for like the two days or whatever and then I had to like you know send the awkward email after and I was like why can't I just like naturally bring it into the conversation like I feel like I'm maybe I'm a bit younger or whatever but I definitely still struggle with that element but it's something you brought up in the India episode uh, about this wanting to be the nice lad mm. good girl <laughs> and oh sure Jesus I'm no trouble to work with sure I wouldn't even ask you for sure I'd be happy doing the job for free uh, and <laughs> Yeah, like, and that's where that comes from. And, you know, that's why there's managers and agents involved in this kind of thing, because they're, they get to be the hard ass and bust some balls. The worst thing is when you have someone who's an agent who wants to be the nice lad, or Jesus, he's happy to have to work, (laughs) then you're in big trouble (laughs) because they're meant to be the badass. Um, But like, uh, definitely coming over here, uh, there's much less apology for how much is that going to be? Mm. Uh, the the quite straight and the fee is <laughs> 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 something you you never say back home. You go and and sure I know I know this is the worst bit, but sure, <laughs> what kind of a budget do you have for that? I, I mean, British <laughs> <laughs> people will go. I'll need to know the fee by Thursday, and you'll be like. Okay. I, I'm glad you were saying that in that accent because it sounds weird coming out of my head. Yeah. Look, people are getting done over in this business all the time. Mm. And it's like, we're, we're hearing about it more and more. We just mm. hear about it more and more and more. It seems to be like the tradition in this business is that those that can be taken advantage of will be taken advantage of yeah and that's why you know comedy needs to unionize and mm. needs to have a standards and practice and thanks to people like Alison Spittle and all of these great women mm. uh, who have been so courageous and coming forward in the last few weeks we will get there and we will have that and hopefully yeah. these kind of things because like look I'm a white guy middle class guy I don't suffer with half of what other people are going through yeah do you do you find that um like since you moved over to England, has there been have you been taken more seriously over there, do you think, than you would be in Ireland? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody takes me seriously. <laughs> I don't know. But you know I what know I mean. Back, I don't actually know because I don't know how seriously anybody ever took me. <laughs> and uh You as an I, artist. What? As an artiste. <laughs> oh look. I don't, I don't, uh, I think anytime you, you head down the path of what do people think of me, that way lies madness. Yeah. Uh, so more and more uh, uh, as I go on, just try and do what feels right mm. for me and my family and uh, 
you know, like part of going into entertainment and stuff like comedy is reaching for other people's approval. Yeah. And then you, you kind of start, the, the earlier you start to pull back from that, the better. Mm. Like, How do you find like when, when you don't get the approval, like do you, do you take it well when, you know, when I always get the approval. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. When I, what do you mean when I don't get it? Like, like if you're, you if you're doing my arse? If you are, uh, yeah, if you're up there on the stage, uh, yeah. tanks, how, how is that for you? Like, how do you deal with that? Like, are you honest, fine? Um, look, I, uh, sometimes I really regret this, but I've kind of <laughs> a reputation for my comedy can kind of go into any room. Mm. and do okay worst case scenario it'll do fine yeah i'll rarely die die like die yeah i i can't actually i can vaguely remember the last time that happened to me and some would say that's a problem that you need to either be uh the worst place you can be is meh the best place to be is love or hate People okay. either adore you or fucking despise yeah. what you're doing. Um, but uh, I think I've ha- I had one in the Four Seasons um, at a charity event that Brendan Grace was hosting. God rest him. Mm. And I went on, Barry Murphy had told me it's fine. Barry Murphy's another person who never dies. And he went, he told me he couldn't do it. You do it. It'll be fine. Mario Rosenstock had done it the year before. You go and do it. Now, I was fresh. This is about 2007. Mm. And I was dying from the moment my feet hit the stage. It was like they decided, don't know this guy, not going to listen to this guy. And I can remember Jerry Ryan looking back at me in the crowd, kind of rolling his eyes. All the RT news team were on one table. They were looking to each other, uh, like, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh my God, I'm starting to sweat now thinking about it. Oh, and so the I. woman who was organizing the show starts walking through the tables and doing that cut noise uh, signal with her hand ah. and to tell me to get off. And uh, I, can't, I think I blacked out then. Oh my God. <laughs> I have no recollection of how I got from the stage to out the door um, and you know then there's certain people that commiserate with you oh. <laughs> Brendan Grace will no longer talk to you <laughs> I mean the stink of it is bad like the stink really resonates yeah. people don't want to be as connected to that kind of death but like you know you often you go it's never the audience's fault You're, that's often what people say but in this case it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean Zach Lifanakis used to say I always blame the audience yeah. why are they even here why can't they make yeah, themselves off. laugh <laughs> like I think it's honestly the most I was saying this to uh, Mark Solira who was on the podcast who does a bit of comedy and I like obviously I do you know things up on the stage but if you're in a play that's comedy if someone doesn't laugh it doesn't matter because there's like a fourth wall it's fine whereas I just think stand-up comedy is so vulnerable just put yourself up there and like your aim is that people laugh and then if you don't it's like 
sweat, panic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Death. yeah. And <laughs> and you know, look, especially when it's when people don't know you, right? Mm-hmm. So if you go and see uh, a household name. People are happy to be there, number one. Now, I'm not saying that they have a, a, an easier life, like the McIntyres of this life. The standard of what that audience is expecting and the bar that they've got a clear, like I did work with Jack Whitehall when he was in the three arena, and you can feel the pressure of it is you've got to bring a huge show to make people feel that the £75 was worth it. Yeah. Uh, but when they don't know you at all, it is like a stranger going on stage to a bunch of strangers <laughs> and saying, I oh, think I'm funny. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to prove it to you right now. I mean, that's a big bet, right? Yeah. Uh, so, and what's mad is that it's this weird little fragile thing. The play is similar to it in that, you know, it is an artifice and it is kind of jumpers for goalposts that you're going in this box that I've set up here i'm going to create a show out of nothing and you're going to go along with it even though i'm literally the same as you i'm wearing the same clothes i'm just talking into the mic and you can balls that up and ruin the illusion and ruin the confidence through one full step but i guess the the art and the craft of it is being able to navigate the failures so yes. if it doesn't go well yeah that you can make that the comedy yeah I mean, plenty of people Bob Hope and uh, these guys were the kings of a joke dying and then navigating the <laughs> yeah and that you know that's that's, that's funny really funny too mm. yeah what I think is really kind of interesting about you <laughs> is that uh, I think that you've got like your stand-up comedy which is gas uh, but you have the podcast, so I think like it's nice because people get to see two different things. Whereas a lot with stand-up comedians, you just get, you know, you just see them as funny. Like you see them on a chat show, they're funny for a few minutes, or they're doing their stand-up bit. Whereas I think we see you in your work, which is hilarious in my opinion, and uh, then we see your podcast where you know you you I'm can be funny if you want. Yeah, yeah, you can be funny if you want. It happens naturally also like you get into much deeper things and I think that that's really nice that you've kind of built that for yourself that's, uh, that's nice of you to say um, and <laughs> in some ways but in, in weird in a weird way it's a weird thing because people mm. go uh, you know people remember Neil Delamere saying to me that you have to be on television in Ireland six years being funny before people will go that's the funny lad off the thing. Oh, yeah. That may have changed, but, you know, uh, I think I've always d- been comfortable with uh, doing serious stuff as well as funny stuff and that I'm mm-hmm. not always on. You yeah. know, always on to me sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. Imagine having to to be shucking and jiving yeah no all times to try and <laughs> rinse laughs and taking the piss non-stop I uh, like that's just not who I am mm. uh, and you know I write shows <laughs> I definitely write <laughs> shows like the ones that I take to Edinburgh and stuff and uh, you know podcasting has saved my life 
to a really? large extent. Yeah. yeah, like look, in lockdown here as well, I did, uh, I'm obviously trying to move comedy into the streaming format and we've done a good job of that, I think, with this. We did a lot of research on how do we make, how do we give a gig experience at home? Because this isn't going to happen for a while in no. a wedding mm. room where it needs to take place. Um, so in so many ways, the podcast has, you know, given me another thing. But like, like you say, I find the best laughs in life come in conversation. Yeah. Rather than somebody walking in and going, I have a joke for you. Mm. To me, the best laughs come just through that natural interaction and flow. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it's not like the podcast is mutually exclusive from comedy. Uh, in fact, some of the, you know, the darkest episodes that we've done have produced the funniest stuff. Mm. Yeah. It's probably better for your mental health as well to mm. not have that. Yeah. To always be on the show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's helped my mental health in a massive way mm. as well. This is a stressful job. It's only actually since we got locked down that I realized I was so a ball of nerves. Letting you, you're wound tight because there's such a, you know, a rover reach and a, a kind of a grasping to comedy. And, you know, you never really get to relax because it's like, yeah. I've got to be turning over material. I have to be at this gig on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'll have Sunday off. Then I got to go and practice new stuff on Monday and Tuesday, mm. Wednesday. I, maybe I could get something on Wednesday, then Thursday, Friday. So there's a grind to it that really leaves you permanently stressed. Yeah. So when lockdown came in, I probably was quite happy about it. Mm. I couldn't say it to anyone, but because you're stressed because, you know, everybody's losing money. And your whole calendar is fucked. Yeah. But I don't know about you, but there was a certain, there's just a certain retraction to it that everybody, I think, appreciated the rest of it. Yeah. My I, I banging on here? No, no. <laughs> I, I, I definitely, I agree. And it's, it's more kind of now that we're coming to the end of it for myself, I'm looking back and being like, that has been a really good time for certain things in my life that I would have never have done or never have given myself time to just be and just be present. And I think that that's, I'm such a like planner. I'd be like, I'm doing this, this summer and this and this. And now I couldn't plan or I still can't plan really. And I think that that's been a really important thing for me to, to learn, to just be yeah. and just be okay with not yeah, having. Less being more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can't believe that you're still renting a place in London. <laughs> Do the listeners know this? Have you told the listeners? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I've said that I came home from London, but yeah, I don't think I've mentioned that I'm still renting. So there you go, everyone. Oh my God. <laughs> like that's, but you know what that's great about that is that you've still got your anchor in the ground. You've still got your flag. Mm. When it's all done, you can go right back. Yeah, that's so getting true. that planted is hard. Uh, yeah, mm. but you you go back and sure England's acting like nothing ever happened at the yeah. moment. <laughs> I don't know if I nearly it's would scary. go back. Like I I'm going to go back because as I was saying to you, my boyfriend still has a job there, and we're kind of like, oh, we'll have to go back for that for a while, anyways. But I think if it was mm. just me on my own, 
I've been kind of so put off with how it went. And I know I need to just get over that. You Mm. know, obviously, global pandemic, you know, it's not England's fault. (laughs) It happened in the world. Like, um, but I think that it it was just such a kind of a knockback. Yeah, the whole whole thing. And then so many, I don't know if you found this, but uh, so many of my friends actually would be just generally in the arts anyways but so many of them who are living in London have all moved home to Ireland mm. so now I feel when I'm going back I'm like god who do I actually know anymore over in London mm. yeah it's like it is like I heard this the other day that uh, angling has gotten more uh, government aid than theatres in the UK and not like the fishing industry angling like I like go go get some fish out of the river the weekend that's terrifying now I don't know if that's changed since this conversation has taken place but it does and it does certainly for a lot of people in the arts it's made you understand your place in the pecking order of priorities we're a luxury item yes and uh, that will be deprioritized but like, I also find that mad because I think that everybody has just been consuming so much art, TV, comedy, mm. film, books, whatever, everything that's mm. been put out online um, and people are just yearning for more. Like we saw the success in normal people. Obviously it was amazing, but also everyone was watching it because everyone was so thrilled to have something new to consume. So I would have kind of thought, that people would start to realize that, oh, this is really important. Important. We actually really need this in our lives. But it just doesn't, yeah. Yeah, I think that there's an element of uh, we've got loads of art tanks. We're all full. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, that's weird too because when history looks back on the time, they won't show the news. Mm. Maybe in reeling in the years they will. Yeah. But we understand it through the creative work that emerges yeah. from it. And that just won't happen if everybody's in stocking shelves in Sainsbury's. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it seems so unessential to so many people that writers need money to write. Yeah. But they do. They do. And uh, our, our, our grandchildren will thank us for it. But... Christ, Emma, this has taken a very serious turn. I don't know if you were expecting more laughs. (laughs) Well, it is a podcast about failure, so uh, (laughs) it can go anyway. Uh, We'll move on to the next question on that note, because we'll Uh, we'll never get through them. 45, I'm only messing. (laughs) He's still Um, not getting it. I'll go nine uh, for my son's age. Number nine. Uh, what failure do you fear the most? That's a serious turn. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, isn't that everybody's? <laughs> um, it is so wardrobe malfunction. Uh, I've had <laughs> wardrobe malfunction take place, like as a child. I remember going to Owen Collins's birthday party, and my trousers rip splitting at the crotchular area during the party as an 11 year old (laughs) trying to save a ball in goals and it ripped and you know there's no going home especially when you live in the countryside uh and his he was a townie and uh 
I have to enjoy the rest of the party with my boxers on show. <laughs> that is a failure I will remember forever. Uh, I got jocked at basketball camp, uh, fully jocked. Uh, and oh, why do terrible. kids do that to each other? Don't why? Know. Do not know. <laughs> but it was, it was bad. Uh, so that kind of thing, I think that mortification of that it's not really a failure, is it, though? Oh, I, yeah. Uh, a it failure is. of my own vigilance mm. to prevent myself from being jacked. Um, like, what do you... Look, I think when you're a young lad in the world, you're, all of your fears and all of the failures that matter now are in respect of him and his life and his future and that everything that you're doing relates back to oh and you want to provide something sustainable for him and give him the best possible life possible rather than yourself uh, so uh, I, I, my plan's always been to come back to Ireland from the UK so oh, yeah. go to secondary school in Ireland. that's always been the plan and but do you think he'll you know, take that oh yeah no he's mad for it oh really <laughs> <laughs> oh he's mad for it yeah 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 uh, like I like English kids. He likes English kids, but Irish kids are way more crack. Yeah, way more. <laughs> way more crack. Like, I mean, you know this. Mm. That like, when an English person will say to you, "We're having the crack now, aren't we?" Yeah, no. And you're just looking at them, going, <laughs> "Not anymore." <laughs> <laughs> now that you've pointed it out, the crack is gone. <laughs> and. Similarly, Mikey, my little boy, is a conversation fiend. Like he will, like we go for a walk, get coffee every morning here. And he has his conversation pieces ready. He's like, oh, uh, cool. design your own superhero dream house daddy, uh, five floors, name them. And, you know, he just loves chats. Yeah. And I've watched him try and have these chats either by Zoom or with the kids in person. And they're they're trying they're trying but i've also watched them have them with irish kids and i just find conversation and that kind of sure who knows what we'll talk about next is the thing that you miss most about being over yeah yeah because like the great english people but just that apprenticeship in conversation that you get in ireland it makes it's why pints are so popular yeah oh god yeah the chats like mm. what would you do without the chats yeah <laughs> it's why the podcast why Irishman Abroad exists because of chats. chats yeah uh, yeah so uh, I would my biggest fear would be that I don't get I don't engineer a position a situation that I can do that for him and Tina um, yeah. but uh, you know we're on track we're on track I, I think that's going to happen but I'd be very fearful of that yeah. any failure related to him was he was he born in England then or no God God no and he's very <laughs> God, no. to remind people of that uh, <laughs> he's quite a plummy accent but he wasn't born in England uh, mm. he was born in Ireland uh, in the snows of two thousand and ten oh, yeah. and uh, yeah like deep in the November snow and uh, then we moved over here two years two years later March seventeenth. Uh, 2013 so kind of two and a bit years later mm. what made you want to go uh, look I mean comedy is so small in Ireland mm. like it is small and I think that 
again, the stuff that's come out about Ireland and these, you know, gatekeepers that have, you know, abused their positions have done so because of the power that comes with them. Uh, mm. Over here, if one club says, we don't like this guy, we don't like this girl, doesn't matter. So grant yeah. hundreds of other clubs that will play, mm. play and you can and grow as a comic. It's comedy center of the world. The, you, you could go to New York and get paid 10 bucks a spot, uh, but you'd need a fortune to even get an apartment in New York. Whereas yeah. in London, the reason why so many Irish comics have come and done well is because it's a hop and a skip and you're off and running mm. and you can gig every night of the week and never see the same face twice. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. It's nuts how vast it is here. So that was the main reason for going. Yeah, I actually remember... Um, when I was in Bow Street, Liam, Liam Cunningham came in for like a Q&A, which was cool. And uh, he said something like it took him moving to England. He was like, you know, auditioning in Ireland and stuff, but it took him moving to England for people to in Ireland to notice him. That suddenly he moved there and he was getting roles. And then the casting directors at home were like, oh, do you want to come and be in this thing? It's like, yeah. fuck's sake. Well, isn't it interesting? I think we all know about that, right? Yeah. Mm. I mean, we that's just a fact of life. Yeah. That is a fact of life. And I don't think it's exclusive to Ireland. I think that, you know, there's plenty of UK actors who've gone over and gotten a part in an, a network show in the States and suddenly, oh, you know, yeah. they wouldn't have, wouldn't have looked at them. Yeah. Because they didn't study here, they didn't study there. Uh I mean, I think it's also, there's a familiarity with the city or the place that you grew up in. Uh, oh, we remember you, mm. you know, that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm happy that I, I've, I haven't had that. Like uh, people were very, Ireland was very good to me when I was there. I had a load of opportunities there. And since moving over here and starting everything and getting everything off the, off the ground properly, uh, Ireland's been amazing. Mm. brilliant and welcoming when I come back and you know even though I like I couldn't relate to a lot of what was happening in the comedy scene there because I haven't played it in seven or eight years yeah uh, and I only really come back to do Vicar Street and the Vodafone Comedy Carnival those mm. are the only two trips I make for comedy uh, but in that way I, I just love I do love those those, those coming back I just mm. absolutely adore Irish crowds and that experience of coming, there's nothing like coming home. The whole reason to go away is so that you can come to home. come home. Yeah. <laughs> and come here, when you come home, will you move to the city or will you move to the countryside? I, I'm, I'm a country guy. Yeah. I, I really, really am. And I, I don't, I didn't know how much of a country guy I was until I moved to somewhere as built up as this. And even then, I didn't move into this, the, the grind. We moved to. Uh, you know, a, a leafy hamlet uh, near the grime. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, I I love the countryside, so we definitely go country mm. within within. But this is another beautiful thing about Dublin: is you can be so close yet far away in the evenings. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, I love that. Yeah. Mm. All right, we move on to the next question. Okay, and uh, number one. Number one. Okay, <laughs> in the song. The 12 days of Christmas. What did my true love send to me on the 11th day? Um, 
is it a hamper from Lidl? No. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be a great thing to get? Like This, this question is actually, the 12 days of Christmas comes up, I think, in nearly every quiz I've ever done. And I'm like, I just need to learn the song because every time I get it wrong, there's so it's, many things. Uh, it's, it's two turtle doves, isn't it? Nope. Uh, four French hens? Nope. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> 11 Pipers Piping. Pipers Piping. Okay, grand. Yeah. I failed again, Emma. This you is just again. you <laughs> pointing out more, more of my failures. I, I, look, I have terrible memory. I'm terrible at all. Uh, as, uh, like I saw uh, when you uh, ask people spellings, <laughs> I'm really dreading that one. I have a spelling in here as well. <laughs> oh, it's ready to go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I didn't know that one. What okay. Piper's piping. Not a clue. <laughs> what number would you like next? Um, three. Number three. What is your funniest fail? <laughs> funniest one we'll yeah sure I should now. have prepared this because <laughs> I, I, when, when Emma sends you the email uh, going this is a rough idea and you know I already listened to the show so I know and Emma's podcast you, Emma Jane your, your podcast was so helpful to me in my episode with Paul Meskell I want to say this on the air that uh, you know it was hard to find Paul Meskell interview yeah stop Mm. Like you really got a world exclusive and you must yes. get an awful lot of downloads for that episode. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know myself, the spike in listeners. Oh my the God, it was like... man in the world. Yeah. yeah. And mm. it, it was a great interview though. Um, and yes, yeah, so she sends you the email, funniest fail. Um, I, I um, have a few. I mean, I, I, I've definitely... <laughs> I, I, like the one that I talk about on stage and that gets the biggest reaction Go on. is the sports day dad's race that I was involved in in around 2014. Yeah, uh, it's Mikey sports day at mm. Montessori. And he's like, uh, daddy, enter the dad's race. And I was like, I'm not doing that, Mikey. I'm not not into this kind of machismo nonsense and all yeah. the daddy there in their in their running gear ready oh, for the Jesus. race and you know you have a certain aversion for certain things like that especially i don't know there's just something about being over here as well that you're like you know the kind of lado yeah <laughs> and I, I was like no mikey i won't be doing that and he's like please 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 i think he's still like still talking like that please daddy <laughs> so of course I line up three, two, one. And I mean, I, I used to be fast. Yeah. I was fast. Like I was <laughs> fast enough, but I lit it up. Like I've never run as fast in my life. Like I remember feeling everyone disappear behind me. I remember taking <laughs> off and the first three steps I looked either way and there's no one near me. And I thought, have I gone before the gun? No. I look across the sideline everybody's cheering and shouting and Mikey is giving me, the, I can see Mikey giving me the thumb up and smiling. I can Amazing. see his face. <laughs> I am streaking away. I can feel there's no one near me. And it's a long enough hundred meters. <laughs> it starts to cross my mind. 
I'm going to look like I took this too seriously. I'm going to look like I'm the... You're, oh, you're that guy. Yeah. So, <laughs> so how can I turn this into comedy? How can I make this look like I'm not, I'm not taking it that seriously? Do I ease up? Do I ease up to a walk? Or do I do a funny run? I elect to pivot 180 degrees and... Uh, you know, look back at them and backpedal across the line. That's how far ahead I am at this point. So backpedal across the line with my arms out like uh, Christ the Redeemer in Brazil. (laughs) Except in that moment, I see halfway up the track all the other dads who'd all elected to run hand in hand with their children. Oh, God. (laughs) I mean... there's still footage of this 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 footage does the rounds once in a while around the mom's group and it's still priceless because I look so happy so happy I'm winning a race (laughs) 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 and why Mikey was giving me the thumbs up I'll never understand just let me do this (laughs) that's definitely up there as the funniest and did you most just not get the time. bring your kid memo or well I think I ran to the line kind of late like I said it was a long discussion over whether I'd do it Tina's like just just go just go and you <laughs> run over nearly as they're saying go and I took off and anyway I <laughs> found myself in a writer's room with Sharon Horgan uh, and Holly Walsh for Motherland and one of the episodes was going to be sports day. And I told this story <laughs> and they immortalized it in Motherland. It's now in an episode oh, really? of Motherland. <laughs> and they captured it. They captured it pretty well. But if people have seen season two of Motherland, I think it's the final episode. Oh, God. <laughs> pretty bad. That pretty was a bad. great story. Bravo. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> uh, well, we go seven. Number seven, um, this is a very serious one now, bit of a oh, contrast. Okay. <laughs> has, <laughs> has anyone you loved ever really failed you? All the fucking time. <laughs> You're <laughs> not one of those guests time. that's like, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> All the time. That's what family is, right? <laughs> I can remember my sister not ringing me after I was on TV3 uh, and I had my first ever TV show about my trip to the Edinburgh Festival and she didn't ring me and I was so sad and I was so angry. Well, this was important to me. Why didn't you ring me? (laughs) And, you know, when I look back on it, I was like 26 and, you know, it's just so stupid, like just so stupid, just ring her and say, hey, I was on the telly. Uh, what did you think? Because <laughs> she'd watched it and she was telling all her friends. Yeah. But, you know, so much of your family letting you down and being hurt by your family is down to our shit ability to communicate and just speak truth yes. to each other mm-hmm. and just open those communication lines as hard as that is. And I know it's hard, but I, I know the reward for just saying, this hurt me. Yeah. And even if they go, ah, fucking toughen up, it still goes in. Yeah, yeah. They still hear it. They don't mm. want to hurt you. Maybe they do want to hurt you. 
they, they don't want to hurt you permanently. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> family and all of that is hard. And I've disappointed and let people down myself. And that's the, that's the other side of the coin. It's like, you've got to accept yeah. that once people are letting you down, that you, you're more than likely doing it yourself. Yeah. They, they were raised, you were raised by the same people. You probably make mm. it some very similar mistakes. Yeah. Uh, so multiple times is, is the answer. And, you know, that will continue. That's, yeah. that's the juicy <laughs> stuff, right? There's comedy to be found in it. Yeah. Good chats so to be true. had. Do your family yeah. listen to your podcast and like, would they? Um, my no. brother does. <laughs> my brother, I know he, he tries to, he lives in Kentucky and, uh, uh, the state with the best record for uh, least infection in America, that should be pointed out. Oh. Because I was terrified that he was going to get it because he obviously has one of my kidneys, Declan, I call Oh, him. yes. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> can is... I just say, I was thinking about this today before you go on, that the house, I'm sitting in my aunt and uncle's house at the moment. But my cousin, whose house this is, is actually donating his kidney today to his little nephew over in Australia. So like, it's just wow. funny that you're on today. So is he in Australia doing it or is it being So yeah, down? my cousin basically moved over to Australia and had Luca over there and he was born with kidney failure and then they my couldn't come gosh. home to Ireland because he's been too sick. So my cousin has went over to donate this kidney, which is just, I mean, it's just an amazing things to do. Yeah, I get, I get, I get very emotional about it and mm. understandably, because it is uh it's game change and you know it, i i please pass on my good wishes to that yeah. person who's, there's nothing nothing like it in some yeah. ways trying to explain it to people is a waste of time mm. uh, uh, be, because unless you've lived through it they, no one will ever really understand but uh yeah so uh, i made a podcast episode about it i did a documentary piece about mm. donating the kidney and stuff and wrote a show called organ freeman about it and toured it around the place <laughs> and all the rest so uh, you know i've talked talked people's ears off about it but uh i i i think i like i'm i try not to keep telling the story over and over again but i do say to people that every opportunity whenever it comes up that you know sh you have to die in a very specific way to be able to donate right mm. people people don't this is something that they're reluctant to say when they're on the air talking about it so you have to die in in a way that you're brain dead on a machine and they're about to switch it off because you don't have a chance so that's a very specific way to die yeah right? it's more or less the only way that this can happen for you to be someone with a donor card who donates, right? Mm. I did a live donation. I haven't died and come back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in that very specific set of circumstances, there's a certain amount of, of course, for most of us, not everyone, and you can't judge anyone who's like, no thanks. But for most of us, that seems pretty straightforward. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am basically dead, but all my organs are still running. And there's a baby in need of X, Y, and Z. You're going to go, no, no, turn off the machine, bury me in the ground. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a great, in all fairness, gene in Irish people yeah. <laughs> that I believe organ donor awareness and tissue 
law has to access and speak to. And I always try and speak to that because we do have a, yeah, no, 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 in all fairness, that'd be only right. Why, why do you want to bring this shit with you? I mean, that is one of the great Irish phrases that I use all the time in terms of money. Sure, you can't bring it with you. Yeah, that's what people do with this wealth that's around their bones. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that, uh, that's my rant on organ donation. Get yourself mm. a donor card or just let people know. That's the other thing that I always think that needs to be said. You don't technically need the card on if your next of kin knows your wishes. Yeah. Because they'll go to them. Mm. regardless of whether they find the card in your wallet, they'll go to them and go, did he ever talk to you about this? In mm. those very unique circumstances. And if you have had that chat, that baby's going to live. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> have baby, you and multiple babies or people and mm. you know, others, you know, in mm. need of all sorts. Has your life, have you had to change anything majorly in your lifestyle since? Oh, I'm way more smoke. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which was hard you know that was a hard adjustment because <laughs> I didn't think I could be more smug no I, and I haven't had to adjust my life at all other than I I am much more appreciation for my body and my health and they this is a here's a little fact live donors tend to live longer than normal people wow really I didn't know that they just on average have a greater sense of health and mm. well-being I, I don't really drink anymore at all uh, just because I was like never really got the taste back for it never really yeah, yeah what's the point yeah. only, we've only got one kidney which is a super kidney now which is probably mm. doubled in size since for the loss of the other one it will you know it'll muscle up uh, so why would you waste that um, so I haven't changed but I am way healthier yeah I'm probably 10 kilos lighter than mm. it was because I had to get in shape for it uh, so yeah. you lose weight in losing the kidney and I lost weight <laughs> just Great. through being healthier <laughs> yeah but he listens to the podcast to get back to that he does listen to it I mean he always do that <laughs> yeah my, my, he's a patron of the show as well and uh, yeah but the, the others listen to it whenever they can I think and um, mm. whenever there's an episode that grabs them yes I, mean, yeah. I think it's harder for your family to listen to you interviewing people I think I, I, I agree I, I find when I actually really know somebody who has a podcast and I'm listening to it it's it's I don't know, a little bit weird yeah a little bit weird yeah. Mm. yeah interesting I think we have time for one more question but uh do you want to pick like, the question <laughs> uh, is there anything no, you'd let's like let's keep going with the numbers let's go let's I kind of want to ask you the spelling one but oh uh, okay hit me with the spelling one then we'll do one more yeah okay because it didn't come up all right the spelling this week is spell fuchsia <laughs> you look smug F-U-C-I-A. you look like you know this c-i-a nope fuck you <laughs> <laughs> you look so like I heard this one before and I know it. Ha. (laughs) You just failed. There's an S in there, is there? No, there there is an S. Yeah, there is one S, yeah. Okay, give it to me. What is the answer? I got it wrong. You don't want to have like one other... No, I don't want another... I don't want to embarrass myself any further. (laughs) 
It's F U C H S I A. Oh, I wasn't even fucking. No. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jar. But like, uh, the guests I, that have actually got it right usually are like, oh, I'm going to get it wrong. And then they get it right. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's it. I, I have, I have uh, that uh, <laughs> Dunning Kruger effect uh, there. Um, India getting conscientious right was unbelievable. I know. I know. Like, I, I think was she like, got all of the. The quiz wet questions, right? How annoying. Brain box. <laughs> Fuchsia. F-C-I-A. <laughs> Truly awesomely shit. Okay. All right. So last question. What number would you like? 10. Number 10. Um, do you believe that everything happens for a reason? Nah. Really? Nah. <laughs> no, I think you can extract reasons. Mm. I think you can. You can go, uh, yeah, there's a good, uh, you, can, you can pull some sort of rationale from things. Oh, and if that ha- happened, then look, I messed up my CAO form or my school did. And I was meant to go to our college and I didn't. I think I talked to Tom about that. Mm. And, um, you know, I never would have met my wife, never would have become a comedian none of that stuff but uh, really i do think there's a glorious randomness to life that mm. you have to embrace in itself uh and yeah within that though you can you can impose reason on things but uh yeah i don't think there's anybody pulling the strings on this yeah i think it's easy to say that everything happens for a reason when it works out you're like oh yeah <laughs> That was why. Yeah, Whereas yeah. when it doesn't, things, it's like, fuck this. Yeah, yeah. These things are happening for a reason. And the reason is you are an evil person. Karma. <laughs> Nobody ever says that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I hope this has been okay. And uh, it's been really good fun. I've enjoyed it on my side. I have really enjoyed it on my side too. <laughs> Thank you so much. No worries. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Fail Harder. I do hope you enjoyed this episode. I would ask you, if you haven't already, to please subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend or share it on social media, whatever you like, and rate and review it. It all really, really helps in getting the podcast out there. Thank you so much. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.